beautiful Saturday morning. You made this time to come to the temple and practice. You made this commitment for yourself. Most of our day, we are concerned or worrying things around us, things of our <coughs> society, our countries, the world matters. Sometimes those experiences are exhausting, challenging, painful. Maybe this is the only time you are truly putting some energy into yourself, your own body, your own mind. This is your time to settle down. <coughs> Go inward. Watch closely your own mind your own feeling, thoughts, emotions. What are they telling you? One explanation Buddha made for meditation, <coughs> self-discovery. This is the time for you to discover different realm of your own mind. Now send your loving thoughts towards yourself, thinking, I am well, I am happy, I am peaceful.
Now send your loving thoughts towards your family. May all of my family members be well, be happy, be peaceful. <clears throat> Think of them individually, by names, parents, grandparents, brothers and sisters. children, husband, wife, may all of them be well, be happy, be peaceful. When you think of your family members, <coughs> just have a little intention. Think of them quickly. This quick, instant thought creating lots of effect into your life, especially, and also effect into their lives. <coughs> Now send your loving thoughts towards the whole world. <coughs> May all living beings be well, be happy, be peaceful. Remember, intention become an action. Intention become karma. This loving intention creating lots of karmic energies. Now slowly turn your attention to your breath. 
every breath you take in you take out is taken mindfully focus on your natural ordinary breath mind wonders that is the nature of the mind no need to make any rules to your mind let it be but you can be your observer i call silent observer observing what is coming and what is going <coughs> what is happening every story every incident happening in your mind you are mindful of it you are not making create creating stories (coughs) 
you are not creating good feeling about it or bad feeling about it. You are not attached. You are not detached. When you observe it, you see cause and effect, causality. Everything happened because of a reason. There's a cause, there's a root. Nothing to grasp, nothing to reject, nothing to embrace.
<coughs> now observe your mind, observe your body. Your body is relaxed, your mind is calm, tranquil and peaceful. <coughs> Make a strong determination to practice meditation every day, regularly, with diligence and patience. Understand how important this meditation practice. To keep yourself well, happy, peaceful and balanced. Now I'm going to do a short chant, give blessings to all of you. In this moment you can focus your family, your friends, whoever need blessings right now. This is the best time to do blessing for someone. <coughs> to see you. Um, so, when you are talking about life of the Buddha, um, he always did his activities with pure mindfulness. It is possible. We all know that it is possible when we are practicing mindfulness, we know we are getting better every single day. It is working for you. So that's the one reason you are coming and keep practicing. You can see the benefit. So Buddha means a person who get the perfect benefit from it. Now uh, he was, uh, he left this teaching for us to practice and practice mindfulness every single day. Sometime when Buddha was giving uh, talks or Dharma talks, 
he know exactly perfect time or perfect person to give the talk. He, he never just give a talk, um, whoever get the benefit, you know, that's not his wish. According to the story, he exactly know today who, who is the person going to get the benefit. One, according to this story, one evening, uh, Buddha was getting ready for his evening talk. Now everybody is sitting like here, uh, around, and now think about, so 10 o'clock we are starting a morning meditation. So I just come here and sit here, I'm so quiet. I'm not talking. Then how do you think? What do you think? Why he doesn't give a talk today? Maybe you are thinking, maybe he's, um, he can, he's muted or he cannot talk or... So maybe you are curious about it. So Buddha came to the, his seat and he's, you know, everybody's waiting and everybody's so serious to listen to him, but Buddha was so quiet. He's not talking at all, just sitting and looking at people. So, then it took for a while, now he's still, he's keep sitting, keep sitting. Then, um, middle of that quiet time, one young lady, maybe he, she was like 18, 19 years old, this young lady ran to the meditation area, that, you know, the Buddha was sitting, and she was carrying something like a bags or basket or something. She just dropped everything in a corner and she just settled down. In that moment, Buddha started to talk. <laughs> right after she settled down, Buddha started to talk. That means Buddha knew she's on the way. <laughs> right? So then, um, Looking at her, Buddha asked a question, where are you coming from? Then she was looking at the Buddha and she said, I don't know. <laughs> that's, such how, that's how she was answered. Where are you coming from? She said, I don't know. Then people were thinking she was so rude. Then Buddha asked another question, where are you going? Then she said, I don't know. <laughs> Then everybody is looking at each other, kind of mad. This is not the way to respect to the Buddha. And, you know, had to be a little bit more respectful. So then Buddha asked her, please explain your answer. Then, um, before that, Buddha asked, what are you doing? Where did you, coming from today? She said, I'm doing um, my business, that's how she's living, go to house to house, selling the clothes. But I had the intention to come to listen to you. So I was late, I want to make my money. Finally, I made the time, I ran in the last moment. Buddha said, I knew you are coming, that's why I was waiting. So explain to all the audience your answers. When I asked, where are you coming from? She said, I don't know. Then she said, I don't know where I'm coming from. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where I started this journey. Then she said, I don't know after this life where I'm going. That's how she was answering. She, because she was smart. She's not answering like us. <laughs> She's in a deeper, you know, the mental state. Then she said, I don't know where I'm coming from to this life. I don't know after this life where I'm going. I think it's really beautiful. I don't know where I'm going. But I know I have now. <laughs> I'm here, I'm with you, I'm listening to you. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful story. Now if you ask that question from yourself, we don't know, right? You know, so, but you know you are here right now. That is enough for us. We all are here. So, um, this morning I woke up four in the morning and I was driving um, a little over an hour and came back and so I, I went for the house blessing early morning. It's a long drive. So, on my way back, I was a little tired and so I was thinking, what am I doing? Sometimes we thought, those thoughts are coming to our mind. What am I doing here? 
I love what I'm doing. So it, the, those questions coming to our minds, what we are doing, what is the intention, what is the purpose. So we all want to exist, right? We all want to exist. We do everything here in this world to exist. If you are not exist, do you think we have to do these things? If you are not exist, I don't know, I'm going to make you crazy this morning. If you are not existing in future, whatever things you are doing right now in life, do we have to do those things? I don't think so. So why we are keep doing these things in this world? Why we are keep doing these things? So then uh, one time, Buddha was talking about three poisons of our mind. Three poisons. So maybe you heard these three poisons. First one is greed. First poison is a greed. The second one is hate. The ter third one is delusion. Those are the three poisons we have in our mind. First one is greed, desire. Second one is hatred. The third one is delusion. Now think about those three poisons. Now to exist, because we exist because of greed. That is the fuel, that is the energy. We exist because of hatred. We exist because of the delusion. All those problems we have in our life, good or bad, <laughs> because of those. So you can say, I have a happy existence. To have this happy existence, still there is a greed. To have a happy existence, still we have hatred. Still we have delusion in our mind. So this, in short, this whole world exists because of these three poisons. So, as a meditation practitioner, what we have to do now we have to create, we have to create the energy opposite of those three poisons. We call these three unwholesome thoughts we have in our mind. Now think about other than those three unwholesome thoughts, do we have any other thoughts in our mind? Any other thoughts? Away from this category? <laughs> I think whatever thoughts happening in our mind, all the thoughts of whatever energies we are creating in our life get into those three categories. Hatred, greed and delusion. If you are creating some positive energies, then we are going wholesome side of those thoughts. Now think about like this. You are working so hard. We are making money. We need material things. In the deep teaching, why we are keep doing this? <laughs> Number one, we want to exist. If we want to exist, we have to do that. Then we are living in this world, then we have to live with the people. We have to deal with the situation then of course, then we have hatred will come. Do you experience that? All the time. You know, the hatred means, you know, the, even subtle anger, it's related to hatred. To yourself or others, it doesn't matter. Even uh, you don't like weather. <laughs> Some days are too hot. Then that day you feel joyful, oh, it's so hot today. I do like it. 
But when I like it, somebody hates it. Because of what? Delusion. <laughs> because we have delusion. So now, I think we all exist in this world. We are doing, living, whatever we are doing. I am running this temple. Everything is based on those three poisons. But when you are practicing meditation, what will happen? We add mindfulness into it. Then those actions become so pure. Less expectations, less desire. Does it make sense now? Now, when we are practicing meditation, what we have to do? Please be concerned about those three persons. When something happened during the day, difficult, challenging, annoying, so you can investigate what are the categories. You know, there are three categories, which areas I can put this experience in my life. Then go opposite direction. So, because of this, because of these three poisons or three unwholesome thoughts, we are creating all the karmas. What is the karma means? It is almost like an English word now. Karma, dharma. It is in English dictionary now, those words. What is the karma means? In simple translation for karma? Huh? Cause and effect. Okay, what else? Sometime in our, you know, the, like Buddhist countries like Sri Lanka, you know, something happened good or bad, doesn't matter. People say, oh, this is my karma. It means action. Karma means action. So, we all are doing actions. Whatever action we do, we put intention into it. We can put, put intention with greed. We can put intention with desire. We can put intention with anger. We can put intention with delusion. We can put different intention into it. Then come good karma or bad karma. After you put intention into it. Now it's very interesting as a meditation practitioner, now I'm suggesting you, you have to dig a little bit more information, more teaching into that because I cannot do it right now. And um, so the enlightened beings, they just do just actions. Just action. They don't create good or bad. Why is that? Why they don't create good or bad? Our every action, our action right now, is go to the good category or bad category. <laughs> because we have those three poisons. <laughs> because of those three poisons, we always go to the good category or the bad category. Why? Our desire to exist. Because we all doing everything in this world to exist. But enlightened people, that is the difference of the enlightened beings and non-enlightened beings. But enlightened beings, they don't have any desires to exist. Only just having this life until they die. Therefore, they don't do good karma or they don't go, do bad karma. Just actions. If they see somebody need help, just go and help that person. After that, there's no any feeling you know, for them. I just help this person. But when you see a homeless person, for me, I'm, I can talk about myself. Oh, this poor man. It's a good karma to give some money. In that intention, I'm giving to that person. It is a good thing. It's a good karma. Because why I know as imperfect person, <laughs> I need good karma. Why? My intention is still I am existing, I am keep trying to live in this world. 
Why you are keep going to work? Why you are keep going to work? Why you are keep making money? <laughs> you want to exist. If you don't have exist, you know, that idea, do you think you had to make money? <laughs> no need to. Why? You are not, there is no continuation. Now, because we have all these problems in this life, because our desire, our goal, we are keep trying to exist, then all those problems, of course, they are coming. So, that's why Buddha or enlightened human beings, they are doing pure deeds, you know, just actions. Now, I am telling you, if you are getting to more mindfulness practice, you cannot do this practice perfect because still you are not perfect human being, but you can experience little taste. That is the beauty of this practice. Certain time we are doing something, no any experience, you know, no any expectation, just do in a pure heart. One day um, I heard one of my, um, you know, the other temples, um, somebody came to the temple for like a morning meditation. They drop a check to the basket. Still they don't know who they are. $30,000 check they put into the basket and they left. Still that monk, he, he doesn't know who is that person. Now people will do those kind of things. Why? Their mental attitude, their desires are different now. They are, you know, the delusions, you know, the less. They have less expectations. So when you have that kind of mindset, then you have true joy, true contentment in your life. So what I'm suggesting is keep focusing on these three unwholesome thoughts. Right now, the best thing you can do, try to go opposite right now. That's enough for you. Keep doing with good intention. Then one day we have to give up both. <laughs> right now, no need to give up the good, doing good things. Keep doing the good things. We all need good things. If you're creating good karma, because we are exist right now, it's help us to survive here in this world when you are keep doing the good things. Those become like a blessings to you. But then there are a second level to go after that. Right now, I'm asking you all, please go and do wholesome practices. It is so beneficial to you. Any thoughts? Any questions? This makes sense? <laughs> okay, Tyler, you can come. So, <clears throat> so think about them. Okay, if you have something. Yeah, we want to exist. <laughs> so, welcome to everybody online. Grateful to be here. Uh, I was sitting over there uh, re realizing I have so many stories to tell and I don't know which one to tell. And I thought Dante would say, just be quiet and let the story rise. He texted me this morning and said, uh, come tell story, I think is what it said. <laughs> it was about three words. Um, so, uh, just was, uh, I, had a, I had a moment this morning that brought back a really powerful memory. Um, so we have a couple guests here. My friends Zoe and Daniel and Chris, really happy to have you. And uh, Chris and Zoe have been here before, but this is Daniel's first time. And I was, you know that moment when like, you have something and you love building it, but then you're used to it and you kind of forget how special it is. And then when you bring someone new who's never seen it before, you like see it through their eyes and it's kind of exciting and beautiful again. I had that experience today with Daniel. Uh, but as we were driving here, uh, it was just, as you all know, it's just the most beautiful day. And we were driving through the country and the fields were so green. And we went past this park where I have a really strong memory. So. Uh, how many people know Bhante Ji? He wrote Mindfulness in Plain English. 
probably in our uh, lineage, I'd say he's the most famous uh, monk, Sri Lankan monk uh, in the United States for sure. Uh, and Bhante's very clearly second place. Uh, and the good news is Bhante D is like 187, so Bhante's gonna be number one soon. <laughs> uh, and uh, so uh, Bhante G wrote this book, Mindfulness in Plain English. It sold millions of copies. Uh, he's made a, a, just a uh, unmeasurable impact in, uh, in Western understanding of Buddhist principles. And uh, he writes in a way that is just so accessible to the world. And so we uh, had the incredible opportunity to uh, have him here many years ago to teach. And uh, I think the class was like at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And he was maybe 160 then, but, he, <laughs> um, you know, he, I was in charge of him for the whole day until the 3 o'clock class. And uh, so for those of you who remember Bhante San, uh, Bhante San was here, and Bhante Soma was here. Bhante Soma at that time was uh, incredibly shy and did not, couldn't, couldn't speak English and was just ex extremely shy. And Bhante San is the opposite of that, but he is so um, rebellious in his language that he was so afraid he would offend Bhante Ji that he refused to talk to him. So I thought I had these two young monks to help me, and it was literally just me because they wouldn't even go within 30 feet of this moment. And so I'd spent weeks preparing and I thought we would like be in a dark, quiet place and I would like have a nice, you know, seating area and we would drink tea. I mean, he's like 160. So, uh, and then somebody said, you know, he, he would like to take a simple walk. <laughs> so San and Soma and I go find this field where there's like super flat, you know, nice little path. And then there's all these like crazy trails, but there's this one path that's like maybe a city block. And we even like went out there the day before and like made sure there were no rocks because we didn't know, does he really pick up his feet? You know, does he walk with a cane? You know, we were very thoughtful about his age and his condition. And so, and so we get him in the car and we drive out there and we get on the path and we're gonna go straight on the path that we've created for the 160 year old monk. And he goes, let's go this way. And he turns left. We went for like seven miles, like through like the tundra. It was, it was just ridiculous. And so the monks wouldn't go near him. I'm stuck talking to him the whole time. It was wonderful. But he was like a 40 year old, like no idea. And we had arranged after the, 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 the short walk, safe walk, we had arranged for a tea service to be delivered. And so we had a blanket put down and we got to the end of the walk and uh, we sat down on the ground and the monks poured this tea and they had gotten special cups for him. Really big deal for them to be around him. Um, uh, we, he spent 20 minutes teaching me how to sit in like the right you know, meditation posture and I was like so honored and I hand him this cup of tea. He sits there quietly and, and he never takes a sip but he sits there and he sits there and all of a sudden he goes like this and he throws the tea out. And, and then he goes like this. And he whispers in my ear, can we go get some Diet Coke? <laughs> and so, um, I, <laughs> it's just the most amazing day. Uh, so I wanted, just, I wanted to introduce him again to all of our Sangha. Uh, the, the book Mindfulness in Plain English is, it's a gem. Um, and he's just wonderful and funny and so accessible and real. Um, and his life is, uh, reflects these teachings better than any I've seen. Yeah, just an amazing impact. So just keep that in mind. And then I want to share a story of Bonte and I. Because of the tea, this is what brought me. You asked me to read from this book. And I was going to defy you because I enjoy doing that. But uh, it, I, when I saw the, the park and I remember Bonte G, I realized that he, Bonte and I have a story about tea. Um, and that reminded me of the day with the tea and the Diet Coke. So, this is, um, this is a book I wrote a number of years ago as a gift to Bonte. It's um, what I believe were his most core teachings uh, as we've spent our time together and I've listened to him uh, tell stories. Uh, these were the ones I thought had the most impact. And so I made this book and then the second edition, um, I added uh, some stories about his and my friendship and some of our travels as we've uh, built these temples around the world. And so this one's called 
uh, traveling 10,000 miles for a cup of tea. Chanting from the temple next door woke me up ridiculously early. Bonte and I and our small group of pilgrims had been traveling for days, and I was desperate for a break. It was the summer of 2014, and we were spending July in Sri Lanka when it is gross, disgusting, sticky hot. I stumbled to the van to learn that our destination was way up in the mountains and required hardcore traveling by train, van, and foot via roads that looked like war. I decided that this was my moment to bail out. I took Bonte aside and announced that I would be skipping today and that I'd found a way to meet up at our next destination. He sat there silent and I knew I was in trouble. He demanded I buck up and get ready. I have an important lesson for you waiting at the top of the mountain. Then he walked away. Every inch of the day was only possible because of his dangling wisdom lesson that was sure to change everything. I'm a sucker for all things extreme. We traveled by train half the day through tea plantations and villages. The train was a royal blue with more than a hint of rust. And as we traversed through the most Ireland green mountainside I'd ever seen, the vibrancy of the train's paint seemed to fade even more. I counted more shades of green than I knew existed. From my window, I looked out at the depths of poverty and at the natural majesty of our world. Seeing them so intertwined in the same moment was beautiful and devastating. Rolling past railside villages where people braved a hard life in a big way, I watched in awe. Just a few hours into our journey, I peered deeply into the people's faces and saw beauty in their efforts that humbled me. An ancient woman stood at one rail crossing, her arms folded, her gaze pierced in intent. She wore layers of fabric that contained every color my eyes had ever seen. A basket balanced perfectly on her head, and as we came to a stop, she exchanged fruit and nuts from her basket for rupees or well wishes. A lack of money was not a roadblock in her business. Her compassion was bigger than that. I took a picture of her that hangs next to me in my office so that I can be reminded to practice her level of compassion in all my affairs. We traveled for five hours, a trainload of humanity, workers all focused on getting to the tea plantations so they can earn a living and produce a product for the world. Families being with each other, sharing food, laughing, connecting. Nobody was texting or wearing headphones. They were listening to each other and smiling. The contrast between their lives and mine and the realization of what went into a simple cup of tea, the time and sacrifice required to deliver what appears to be such a simple product, I still can't reconcile it all. I shut my eyes now and see their blisters from the sun, sweat, and extraordinary effort. My self-centered desire to see whatever the monk had to show me was the only thing that kept me going. I didn't prepare for a year and travel around the world to not get every single deep spiritual lesson available to me. No matter how tired Bhante's promise fueled me, no matter what, just keep going, he said. We climbed 6,300 feet up to the very top of Lipton's seat. And as we overlooked the tea plantations, mountain ranges, and endless blue, I waited for my lesson. I followed Bonte up the final footpath to the very top lookout. He handed me a hot cup. Upasaka, I've brought you all the way here to teach you how to drink a cup of tea. As we sipped our tea up on Lipton's seat and looked out over the world, the wind blew the monk's robes so fiercely that I thought he was going to parasail away. I grabbed onto him from behind and locked my feet into the fence, protecting us from the edge. He's so tiny that I could easily crush him. I felt proud for a moment, like I was keeping him safe. We must protect our minds like you are protecting my body right now, he said quietly. Monk, did you really bring me all the way up here? 
to talk to me about tea, about the importance of compassion and mindfulness and meditation, and you're using tea as the teacher? He was quiet a minute. I guess there are other ways, but I'm just a simple monk. <laughs> so, thank you. Thank you. Uh, we have lots of stories, but that's a good one. I'm, I'm still grateful for how simple that was, and I would have preferred Diet Coke, but here we are. So. Uh, I just want to, again, express gratitude. I said it last week. Um, we're just amazed at the level of generosity you all have continued to show during these difficult months. Uh, the temple has really had some hard times trying to figure out how to navigate all this. Um, and what's so amazing is it turns out we're really good at navigating hard together. And so we're just grateful to all stay connected. Um, a few changes, we, uh, as, as you all know, because you're sitting here, we did decide to open the temple uh, in a limited capacity on Saturdays. And then recently, we expanded last week to try our first Wednesday. Um, our our uh, procedural guide is Vante's heart. So what we do is we try something and then we wait and see how it feels to all of us. And if it feels safe and honorable, then we do it again. Uh, so we don't know how long it will be open or if we'll ever close or how we'll navigate these days. What we're going to do is keep checking in with our heart, keeping making sure that we feel like we're honoring everyone in the best way we know how. And so we have to stay nimble and flexible, uh, but we have also decided now to increase to Mondays. So we're getting back to our uh, more regular schedules. But as you can see, we're still at a very limited capacity. So we're still using Eventbrite to sign up. Um, so that people can have their uh, space designated and we can stay at safe distances. Uh, and that's just going to be how it is until it isn't like this. And so uh, that's what we're doing. Some other things that are happening, we're continuing to perfect how we're going to manage uh, the future. Uh, some of the great blessings of this pandemic have been the, the way that we have uh, been able to shift how we offer these teachings and the amount of people we're reaching online. Uh, you know, tens of thousands via various platforms that we now stream to live. Uh, and we've been in some dialogue about how we will continue to do that or if we'll continue to do that. We have a worry that uh, people will lose the value of coming to this sacred place if it's so easily accessible to be lazy on our couches, which I'm certainly inclined to do as well. Uh, so we're, we're contemplating the pros and cons of things like that, and we have no answers. <laughs> Uh, but what we have is a deep desire to continue to get these teachings to as many people as possible. So uh, know that that's our commitment and uh, your continuous generosity, whether that be in the form of online donations when you, when you do watch on our live streams or if you are a pledger or you throw some money in the box or maybe you come help us clean the bathrooms. Uh, there's no wrong way to be generous and know that this is just a, a handmade place that is built by all of our continued dedication to it and so we're grateful. Uh, we have some uh, products, as you all know, Bonte's, uh, some friends of Bonte's built, built him some t-shirts a few years ago or designed some t-shirts that said, Choose Love and Kindness. And this is now expanded into a, a, a kind of a full set of products. And uh, recently, one of, the, one of the things that, uh, the way that Bonte and I work together is, he deems me unreliable because I'm so busy and, and he no longer wants to like send me to-do lists. Now he comes and sits on my couch uh, and we spend Monday evenings together and he says, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And I just sit there and do it so that I actually get it done. Um, and so uh, we continue to work towards uh, growing new things. But one of the dreams he has is to sell how many? He wants to sell a million water bottles that says choose loving kindness and so you'll see some new uh marketing pieces going out about what that mission really is about and why we want to do that and all of the incredible humanitarian projects that we are supporting houses we're building wells we are digging for villages um lots of work with mothers and babies uh and and uh, I like to say that Bonte's given up on the adults and he's trying to get to the, to the wombs because he thinks if he can teach babies that are not yet birthed loving kindness that the world might have a chance. I don't think he would say it quite that crudely, but frankly, that's what he thinks. Um, he might not be wrong. So uh, the Choose Loving Kindness water bottle, what I love about it is that it says choose. I think that during these times that are so difficult for many of us, I think the word that really matters here is choose. Loving kindness is something we do have to choose and make a decision to commit to. 
Uh, and one of the things I'm trying to do is I'm trying to have as many interactions as possible with people who have different views than me, especially political ones. And I like to sit this bottle right down between us. Um, because I think that if I can have a loving and kind interaction with somebody who doesn't see the world the way I do, I'm doing my part to, to save this world. And I think all of us can participate in that microwave and create a really uh, large impact. So feel free to go check out those products and support Fonte's work. Um, a reminder that we're now on Insight Timer. We uh, just last week I announced that we wrote uh, several small meditations. So there's, we got some five minuteers on there. We're getting tens of thousands of views, which is so wonderful that Bonte's voice can uh, make such a big impact. And some of the other monks are doing meditations on there as well, so we're really grateful. And we do have Sri Lankan lunch today. Are we sold out? I think we're sold out, but maybe check. Bonte, uh, are we sold out of lunches? Any left, if anybody wants any? Five? Okay, so we have five left if anybody wants to grab a lunch that did not pre-order. We do have a few left. Uh, and so that's, uh, that's what we've got. And uh, one last quick story when we bought this building. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, I came here with my family. And in these windows was uh, stained glass of all the religions. Uh, it was an interfaith kind of... Uh, Memorial. Uh, this was a Unitarian church when Bonte came and started in the basement. And those, those windows got moved to their new Unitarian church, which is wonderful. And I just was noticing that we kept the Jesus uh, and Mary stained glass here, which I think is so awesome, especially during these weird times to have Buddha and Jesus together. It's such a good symbol and reminder. Uh, but those interfaith windows, they, they, it feels like a void not having them. And I'm glad they went to, with, with their family. Um, but I, I had an interesting story. Uh, uh, we bought a new house in Richmond recently, and we had the carpets cleaned. And this guy, Freddie, comes to clean the carpet. And uh, I didn't expect a real warm greeting from Freddie because our house has got a meditation room and Buddhist statues. And, this is McHenry County, and I told my story, uh, a false story, uh, that maybe it would feel, I, I, I just felt a little weird, you know? And um, so Freddie comes and cleans our carpets, and um, I could tell that he couldn't stop, like, uh, looking at all our stuff. And so at the end, he comes up to me, and he says, are you Buddhist? And I said, well, I, I'm a Buddhist practitioner. Uh, I don't really know what a Buddhist is, but I, that's how I started the conversation. And he was just quiet, and I thought, oh man. Um, and so he goes out to his van, and I just still was telling my story that I'm weird, and he thought I was weird, you know. And he comes back in with this package, and I unwrap it, uh, and he, says, he said, I have a gift for you. I unwrap it, and it's a candle. Well, Freddie does, he cleans the carpets of all the churches in McHenry County. And he goes to the monk or the priest or the pastor, and he says, do you have any candles that you've used on your altar that are dead, that are, the wick is gone, that there's just some little leftover wax left? And he takes the wax from all those churches and he melts them down together and makes a new candle uh, and delivers that candle to, as a gift to whomever he feels called to give it to. Um, so I've asked him to make a candle for each of our windows, and he's almost done. And so you guys will notice that we're going to see some interfaith candles up there. They're not, they're not the stained glass, but they're our version of the stained glass and our version of that remembrance. So kind of a new addition headed our way. Any other announcements? Okay. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Grateful Thank you. you're here. Please stand.